0: This is Ray Martinez, and I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Our study today is going to be about the Passion of Christ, a reflection on Jesus' suffering. Scripture often highlights the suffering of Christ. Indeed, the crucifixion of Christ is the apex of human history and the ground theme of the Apostles' teaching. In 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It is through the passion of Christ that we are made right with God. Isaiah 53 verses four through 12 foretold the passion of Christ and revealed its meaning. I encourage you to take the time to read that. It really spells it out nicely. The Passion of Christ refers to the events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and His subsequent death on the cross. The Passion of Christ is a central theme in Christian theology and it serves as a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice and love for humanity. In this podcast, we will reflect on Jesus' Passion and what it reveals about His character and His mission. There's the agony in the garden in Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before his arrest. He's overwhelmed with sorrow and asks his disciples to stay with him and pray. Well, we know what happened. They fell asleep. Jesus' agony in the garden reveals his humanity and his willingness to suffer for the sake of others, despite knowing what lay ahead. Jesus remained steadfast in his mission and committed to fulfilling God's plan. There's the betrayal. When you read in Matthew 26, verse 47 through 56, Jesus is betrayed by Judas and arrested by the Roman soldiers. Jesus' betrayal by one of his closest disciples reveals the depth of human sin and the extent of Jesus' love and forgiveness. Even in the face of betrayal, Jesus remains committed to his mission and does not retaliate against his enemies. And then during the trial, in Matthew 26, verse 57 through 68, and Matthew 27, verse 11 through 26, Jesus is brought before the Jewish leaders and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. He's given a trial and he's accused of blasphemy and sedition and he's ultimately sentenced to death by crucifixion. Jesus' trial reveals the injustice and corruption of human institutions and the extent to which power can corrupt. Despite being falsely accused and unjustly sentenced, Jesus remains committed to his mission and did not back down from his teachings. This is important. He remains committed and doesn't back down. Then we come to the actual crucifixion in Matthew 27, verse 32 through 50. Jesus is crucified on the cross. He suffers intense physical pain and is mocked by the onlookers. Jesus' crucifixion reveals the depth of his love for humanity and his willingness to suffer for the sake of others. Suffering intense physical pain. And then he's mocked. And then yet he shows the depth of his love for humanity. And the thing of it is, he did it willingly. Even in his final moments, Jesus forgives his enemies and entrusts his spirit to God. The passion of Christ is a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice and love for humanity. His agony in the garden and the betrayal, trial, crucifixion, reveals this depth of his character and his commitment to his mission. There is scripture that teaches us about this sense of having a passion. If we look at Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. How can you do that without having passion? In Galatians 5.24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let's reflect on Jesus' passion and be inspired to follow his example of love, forgiveness, and sacrifice in our lives. In the modern usage, the word passion can have the sense of strong emotion and is even associated with love. But Jesus did not endure suffering because of a strong emotion that flamed up for a time and then passed. People today can have fits of passion and do rash things that they later regret. But that is not the passion of Christ. Jesus came to earth for the purpose of laying down his life for us, and he never wavered from it. You can look at Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23, and Matthew 21, verse 24. Indeed, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is described as the Lamb slain for the creation of the world, Revelations 13, 8. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19-23, through this is a great reading. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jew I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Now, that is genuine passion that Paul has. He says, I'll be everything to everybody if I can win you over to Christ. He's willing to change his mode of operation, his daily behavior, whatever he's doing, to win you over. That's passion, folks. Look at Isaiah 26, verses eight through nine. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Now, how do we get a passion for Jesus? This question fits right with God's greatest command found in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 5, to love our God with all of our being. I'll share some guidance on how to bring that about from Scripture. First of all, it goes without saying that we cannot love someone we do not know. Get to know God and what He has done for you. Before the command to love God is given in Deuteronomy 6.5, the statement is made, Hear old Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One aspect of this statement is that He is unique and the better we get to know what He is like, the easier it will be for us to love Him with our whole being. We must read the Bible as a letter from Him asking His Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts about what He wants us to glean from it that day. Memorizing important verses and passages is also essential as is thinking of the ways of how to apply what we learn. Take a look at Joshua 1.8 Here's a second point. Follow Jesus' example by praying constantly and consistently. When we examine the life of Jesus as well as that of Daniel and others who had a passion for God, we find that prayer was a vital ingredient in their relationship with God. You cannot imagine a man and a woman growing in love without communicating. So prayer cannot be neglected without expecting one's love for God to grow cold. Prayer is part of the armor against our greatest enemies. Look at Ephesians 6.18. We may have a desire to love God, but we will fail in our walk without prayer. Matthew 26 verse 41. Here's the third point. Walk closely with Him now. Daniel and his three friends chose to obey God and refused to compromise and even the food that they ate. You read that in Daniel chapter 1. The others who were brought from Judah to Babylon as prisoners with them caved in and are never mentioned again in the Bible. In order to ensure that we will be passionate for God later, we need to walk with Him now and begin to obey Him in the smallest test. Peter learned this the hard way by following God at the distance rather than identifying Him more closely with Christ before his temptation to deny him. Read that in Luke 22 verse 54. Here's a fourth point. Eliminate the competition. Jesus said it is impossible to have two masters. Matthew six twenty-four. We are tempted to love the world. Those things which please our eyes make us feel good about ourselves and gratify our fleshly desires. We read that in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. James says that to seek to embrace the world and its friendship is enmity, in other words, hatred, towards God and spiritual adultery. James 4, verse 4. We need to get rid of those things in our lives. Friends who would lead us the wrong way, things that take up our time and energy and keep us from serving God more fully, the pursuit of popularity the pursuit of possessions, and the pursuit of physical and emotional gratifications. We gotta get rid of it. God promises that if we pursue Him, He will not only provide for our needs, Matthew 6, but will give us our desires as well, Psalms 37, verse four. That's one of my favorite verses. Point number five, if you're straying, begin to do what helped you grow in love with God in the first place. It is not uncommon to have dips in a relationship. Peter dipped in his in Luke 22, verse 54, and David dipped in his in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But they got up and pursued after God once again. John in Revelations 2, 4 states that it is not a case of losing one's love, but leaving one's love. The cure is to do the first works, those things that caused one to grow in love with God in the first place. Remember the fire that lit you up when you first got saved. The first step is confession and receiving the forgiveness and restored fellowship that are the results of that confession. We read that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. There is no doubt that God will bless the pursuit of a passion for him and will glorify his name through it. I like this quote from Timothy Keller. He was an American pastor and theologian and author. He founded the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, and he's written numerous books on Christianity and faith. Here's what he says. The passion of Christ reveals the depth of God's mercy and the immensity of his love. In the face of our brokenness and sin, Jesus willingly embraced the cross offering himself as the ultimate sacrifice for our salvation. His passion teaches us the power of selflessness and the transformative nature of God's grace. Well, he says it well. God bless you. Fire yourself up. Get that passion for Christ and live the way he would have you live. Just do as he does. You have a blessed day.